The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, I want to kick start our whistle stop tour through world religions here on the show. Over the next few days, uh, we want to uh, dig into different world religions to varying degrees. Today, we are looking at Christianity, tomorrow, Islam, then Buddhism, Judaism and Hinduism and I'm sure we could go on from there and with me today is Dr John Murray he's an assistant professor in moral theology and Christian ethics at Dublin City University John you're very welcome uh, to the studio I think in Hinduism people used to say well at one point they had 33 million gods and 33 and then worth three in Buddhism some say three the answer is probably none in reality Judaism Islam and Christianity though all monotheistic how do we define the Christian God well, the distinctive thing about Christian understanding of God, as well as the monotheism that you mentioned, but that's shared with Islam and Judaism, is the idea of the Trinity. So we've started the most difficult thing. Okay. But it is also the most interesting, the most fascinating thing. And it really kind of centres on Jesus, Jesus Christ. What do we understand about this man who lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago? So Christians believe that in this particular man, Jesus Christ, God became man. So that begins a kind of a thinking about God being one God, but somehow also being two. And then there has this idea of that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit after he's died and, ro- and, and, and risen to create his community. So now you have the idea of three, three persons, still one God, but three persons in the one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, you could spend a whole hour, you could spend the whole rest of the week discussing that, but that's distinctively Christian. The other religions don't believe in uh, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They believe in one God, but they don't accept the idea that God became man in Jesus Christ. So what do we know about Jesus Christ? Well, the main source of our knowledge of Jesus Christ in terms of documents is the is found in the New Testament. So famously, you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And you also have a series of letters written by some of the early Christians, especially St. Paul. And some other people wrote some letters as well. And then there's a final book, the Apocalypse or the Book of Revelation. So they're the main kind of scriptural sources. And then you have traditions passed on down through the centuries about Christ as well. Um, so that's where we find out about this man, Jesus Christ. And... I, 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 At what point in history can we say that the version of Christianity that most of us would recognise, that that begins to to take shape. You know, I, I was listening to kind of a podcast last week about kind of Justinian putting down some kind of uh, uprising in the, in the Byzantine Empire mm. where there was kind of, there was a, an alternative understanding of, of the Holy Trinity and the differentiation sure. between kind of uh, God and Jesus. So yeah. even back then, you know, in the early days, it, it was not the Christianity maybe we understand it today. Well, there's been discussion and debates and disagreements about it right from the start. So right from the early days, you have the you know, quite a bit of variety. But very early on, I mean, right, I think most Christians, most mainstream Christians would trace it right back into the Gospels, right back into the teaching of Jesus. You have the basics there. Uh, but different things have developed over the years, especially some of the structural things that you see today, like, for example, the Pope in the Vatican, for example. Like, that's not something that you have in the, during the, the life of Jesus or, you know, not for a while afterwards when St. Peter ends up in Rome. So some things develop and they, uh, they some things have developed over the years. And today you'd have quite a variety amongst Christians Christians as to how they understand the Trinity, although the basics are, I think, are shared, um, and how we understand various other things. So you don't just have one particular type of Christian. There are a number of different types. And uh, some of those, I suppose, different types born out of different schisms. We might talk about that in in just a moment. Uh, But how much of 
what we understand to be Christianity or certainly Catholicism today is is to be found in biblical sources, in those Gospels, or how much of it is, is kind of structural stuff, as you say, that gets built up over the years? Yeah, it's hard to answer that because I would say that all of the roots are there in the Bible. Okay, all the roots are there in the Gospels. But again, some of it's very implicit and some of it's more explicit. So there are key moments. So one key moment would be in the fourth century, the Emperor Constantine seems to be converted to become a Christian. He legalizes Christianity to have a huge expansion of Christianity. If a number of councils are held to discuss some of the big issues and sort of clarify some of some of the teachings. So that would be a key moment in the fourth century, a number of key moments there. But if you go back before that, the roots are all there of the of the main key teachings. Um, so I wouldn't th- consider it to be something which develops later. But again, you would have some people who would argue that, that, that what we have today doesn't match what's there in the early days at all. So it's an area of, you know, huge debate and discussion amongst academics, certainly. And how do we, and this is a very kind of a, a difficult or a precise question for what is an imprecise thing, um, how do we define what those teachings are? How do we describe the key teachings? Well, this is one of the differences between, say, Catholics and Protestants. Just simplifying things. The, the Protestant approach tends to say, go to the Bible, what the Bible says is the gospel truth. But part of the difficulty with that, although I respect that very, very much, I think it's a great respect for the Bible there, but how do we interpret what the Bible means? So the different views on that, and the Catholic view would be that we have to be guided by tradition and the uh, Pope and the bishops, and that that helps us to understand how to interpret what, the, what it actually has to say. Now, each person, of course, each of us in our own way has to decide for ourselves, because we have a conscience, we have our own mind, our own freedom, uh, what makes the most sense to us, you know? So in the end, that has to come down to the individual. But once you make that decision, uh, that commitment to your community, um, your community is going to play a big role in helping you to understand what's going on in the Bible. I've heard this uh, phrase, an affirmative world view. What, what does that mean? Well, I, I like that that phrase because it kind of emphasises the positive aspect. I mean, especially maybe in Ireland with our history and perhaps certain aspects of our history there's been an emphasis on sin and, and sort of the darker aspects of human failure and human life and that's important not to ignore all that but I think that behind it all there is a very positive view of the human person and of life in Christianity God is the creator the creation he makes is good human beings are made in God's image because of our ability to understand and make choices and and love and and, and work together and so on we're in some amazing way very much like God and God wants to save us from the worst part of ourselves let's say and help us to flourish Um, that's all very affirming I think very positive message and how then you know as you say we're kind of made in God's image that's what the Christian teachings uh, tell us Mm -hmm. how do you describe the relationship between man and God? And I'm kind of offending half our listeners there, between people and God. Yeah, well, I mean, man can be used as an exclusive term, but it can also be used in an inclusive way. And in Christianity, because God became man in Jesus, but Jesus stands for male and female, like he represents all of us, there is a sense that man can be understood in a way that represents every everybody. Yeah. But it certainly isn't something just for males. Uh, the relationship can be understood in terms of being created. The God's our maker. That's a very basic. And we share that with Judaism and with uh, Islam. We can also be understood in terms of our father. Um, so it's a kind of a family relationship. We're sons or daughters of God when we're united with Jesus. It can be understood in terms of our saviour, that he comes to rescue us from 
from sin, from death, from uh, from the dark side of things. Um, it can be understood in terms of mystery. There's something awe-inspiring, something fascinating about God as well uh, that we can search for and think about and discuss and wonder about as well. Mm. So there's different words that one can use. But probably in Christianity, I think Father is a hugely important one and Saviour. Uh, would be hugely important and mystery. That affirmative worldview, does that describe Christianity uh, kind of for time immemorial or is just Christianity today? I mean, was it always that positive? I think it was. It a bit was more fire but, and but it waxes and wanes. I mean, depending on the culture you're in and the emphasis, like, so there's times when different aspects, it's a very rich religion, so there's different uh, things can be emphasised. So there was a time, for example, when the sufferings of Jesus on the cross were emphasised hugely. And you'll see this in some of the famous crucifixes and up to pictures or sculptures of, of Jesus on the cross that emphasise his suffering. Other times it emphasises the risen Jesus, Jesus risen from the dead. So it varies from culture to culture, from time to time. But behind it all, um, I think religion is very much about finding harmony with the transcendent, trying to find yourself, trying to find peace, trying to find your place in the world. So I think it's very much about finding the good, um, and again, when I'm teaching ethics, that's that's kind of partly what I try to emphasize, mm. you know, that it's very much about the good and try to find the good and affirm the good and try to heal us and reconcile us and uh, forgive us of the bad. Um, we, we, we could we could be here until the cows come home if we're to talk about uh, schisms, you know, that yeah, there, there sure. are so many, there have been so many. I was talking about the Byzantines, we could talk, I guess, technically the Lollards are a, a schism within the mm-hmm. church, given this is pre-Protestant Reformation. But what are the big schisms that we need to be aware of in terms of understanding the church today, the, the, the broader Christian church? Yeah, there's two really, there's two main kind of, one is the 11th century, that's East-West. So you have the, the Greek in the East, the Greek tradition in the East, focused on Constantinople, the Byzantine kind of empire, all that kind of a thing, and Greece, and then of course it goes to Moscow and so on. So the Eastern today be the Eastern Orthodox uh, Christians. There also are some Eastern Catholics as well, actually, which aren't so well known. Mostly here in Ireland, we tend to think of Roman Catholics, but there are Eastern Catholics as well, who would share a lot in common with the Eastern Orthodox, but who accept the Pope as the head, head of the Church. So that was the 11th century schism, very serious one been there for a long time but there's a lot of good work being done to try and heal it and then the 16th century is the next big one which we would know more about I think in Ireland the Reformation or some people today would talk about uh, Reformations a plural because it wasn't just the one so you have Martin Luther and John Calvin and Henry VIII and so there's a number of different people during that century very turbulent century um, who took issue with the church on various different things trying to reform the church maybe things weren't worked out as well as they should be um, and ended up dividing with them, splitting off, starting up what they consider to be the true the true church. And then since then, there have been other ones. There was, as you say, there were ones previous to that too, even in Europe. Um, and it's, it's, human, it's a human condition for us to argue yeah. and to divide, unfortunately. So it's, it's, a, it's a constant challenge to Christianity to find unity. But that's, you'll find that in, in other religions as well, yeah. you know. The first thing on the agenda is often the split. Um, yeah, but well, and also then their reconciliation too, because there was a lot of very fine work being done by Christians on all sides to, to find reconciliation and to get rid of the unnecessary misunderstandings and work on the things that mm. really do divide us. And there's some very good work being done. Well, when you talk about and the admittedly kind of simplistic definition or, or differentiation between Protestants and Catholics being the kind of the more kind of purely scriptural yep. interpretation of, of, of Protestant churches. What's the difference, though, between the Anglican church and 
and Catholics. I mean, that, 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 yeah. that, that's a lot more of an overlap there, isn't there? There is in some ways, for sure. I mean, because they have a priesthood and bishops um, and worship very similar to the Catholic worship. In fact, a lot of Anglicans would use the word Catholic to describe themselves. They wouldn't like to use the word Catholic just for what might be called Roman Catholics. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot in common there. Uh, a lot goes back to, again, the issue of who has authority hmm. to decide the interpretation. Uh, and it goes back, of course, historically to Henry VIII and, and uh, the years after him. Uh, Power and money the is the answer, John. Well, in that case, he was also <laughs> looking for a wife. Uh, but we won't talk about Henry's wife. Sex, wives. power and money. It was also about, I suppose, the, the, the kingship and unity and unity in the kingdom and a whole load of things going on there. Very, very, very complex. But a very sad story as well because you have a huge amount of violence, a huge amount of not just disagreement but actual violence between Christians which is a terrible blot on our history. But as I said, I think in recent times including in Ireland we have a tremendous work being done to try and put that behind us and work for peace. Well, we had a direct reference to Anne Boleyn earlier in the show when we were talking about tennis and an indirect reference uh, uh, there. Not often it happens. Like the 46A, you're you're waiting a long time to come along at once. (laughs) Dr. John Murray is an assistant professor in moral theology and Christian ethics at Dublin City University. John, an absolute pleasure and thanks a million uh, for that. Like I say, tomorrow we're talking about Islam and then we're going to get through Buddhism, Judaism, Hinduism, you name it, uh, right throughout the week. After the break, though, on the hard shoulder, we are going to be talking about more delays for children waiting for scoliosis surgery. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.